Hi, I'm Holly Knoll, host of the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. If you've always wanted to start a business and don't know where or how to start, you've come to the right place. After leaving an unfulfilling corporate career, I decided it was time to start a business of my own. Today, I'm a business coach and creator of The Consultant Code, where I help people start services-based businesses in 60 days or less. So grab your latte because you're about to be inspired, armed with knowledge, and given simple tools to start a business of your own from my interviews with Everyday Entrepreneurs. Welcome to the Everyday Entrepreneur, episode number six. You guys, today I have a very special guest, Karen Williams. She is a dear friend of mine from San Francisco, and we met a couple of years ago now when I was looking to refresh and revise some of the messaging around my brand. A friend had recommended that I work out, work with Karen, and we, I remember we had our first meeting. It was at the wing at the co-working space. I think it was at the wing. Um, but I just remember first kind of brainstorming meeting where I got to just lay it all out to Karen about my brand, what I thought was working, what I thought wasn't working. And she just like jumped in. She totally got me. She got my ideal client. She jumped in, was able to help me really revise and refresh my brand so that I could reflect a more true and authentic voice. And if none of this makes sense to you, and this sounds like all Greek to you about branding and voice and messaging, I'm sure Karen is going to get to that later on this interview. But I will start by saying that Karen is also a freelance consultant, as I have built my freelance consulting business over the past few years. So not only did Karen and I connect on my brand and messaging and, and how she her brilliance could help help my business, but we also connected and have continued to stay connected on what it's like to be a freelancer in this time. And most recently, Karen and I had a chat about what it's like to be a freelancer in the age of coronavirus. Is it a good thing? Is it not a good thing? How do we adjust our businesses and our, ourselves and our mindset to be adaptable in this new world? So Karen, I'm so excited to have you here today on the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time. And yeah, how are you doing today? Thanks, Holly. I'm so happy to be here. I'm great. Yeah, it's, it's a good day. It was a, a busy morning and uh, yeah, I'm excited to do this. Awesome. Well, you're in San Francisco still, and I know that you guys are still in lockdown. You're also in the hub of the technology world. And from what I understand, the last time we chatted, you're still managing to stay quite busy with your freelancing business, um, regardless of the fact that we're in a pandemic. So tell us a little bit about what you do exactly from, from in, in your words. And um, yeah, what are the types of services and offerings that you do as a freelancer? Yeah. Well, let me start saying, yes, I feel very lucky that I have been very busy. And I know we'll talk about kind of how I've been managing that. Um, I, as you said, I'm a brand strategist. And to people that do brand strategy, they get it right away. They're like, oh yeah, I know what you do. To people that don't, they picture everything from, oh, she designs logos to she does advertising. I actually do none of those things. <laughs> so before you even see, you know, a logo or a name or a, an ad, a communication behind that is a lot of strategy and stories and sort of meaning behind that. And so what I do is I do a whole list of things, but in a nutshell, um, help people define what their brand is. So what they do, um, why it matters to people, why it's important, 
Um, that could be helping them to find their target audience. It could be brand positioning. So, you know, what makes you differentiated? Um, in the case that we work together, messaging and voice. So sort of how you communicate. Um, the list goes on and on and on. And then it gets into things like brand architecture, you know, how people interact with the different brands in your portfolio. So a lot of different things. But in a nutshell, I always just say I help people um, define their the thing that makes them really special, the intangible thing about their business. So, you know, think about when you're going to purchase something or make a decision, there's all the rational things, you know, price, location, you know, whatever it is that you're buying. The things you can, you can literally line them up next to each other and say, I'll take this one, it's the cheapest. But what about the decisions you make and you cannot you cannot give a rational answer as to why you made the purchase. You just quote unquote, like it, or you prefer it. Um, that's where I step in. And so that's always really fun because as a brand strategist, I notice when I do it myself, I'm like, well, I know that's not the cheapest one, but this is the one I want. You know? <laughs> so it's a, it, I feel very lucky. I love what I do. Um, I mean, it is fun. It's hard work, but it's fun. I, I love how you explain that because as you're, as you're explaining it, I was thinking of the clients I help and the business owners that I, I encounter on a regular basis. And I think a lot of the business owners I've met throughout my life have not been these, have not necessarily been business owners who have invented something brand new into the world. Like a lot of ideas have pretty much been done right now. It's like, how do people put their own spin on it? And so in markets that are highly saturated, like photography or consulting like me, business coaching like me, what's most important is how we stand out and what are our secret, I feel like as a business owner, our secret weapon is ourselves and our uniqueness. So what I really enjoyed about working with you was that you were able to tease that out and help put a more objective look on my business and how I am different versus me just kind of trying to figure that out on my own. And so I just think that there's such importance to working with a brand strategist from big businesses. Like I know you've done work for Google and I'd love to hear mm -hmm. about, you know, more of those projects as well. You know, big companies like Google need brand strategy as well as down to like the solopreneurs like me who also need a brand strategist to stand out and share my story so that when it comes time for people to, to buy, they already know, like, and trust me, right? That I think know, that's like, exactly and it. And the example that I use, no matter who I'm working with that I feel like just everyone gets is like Lyft and Uber. If you strip away the brand, the, you know, the, the whole sort of feeling and essence, the logo, et cetera, it's probably the same exact product. I mean, I'm sure if you're, if they're, you know, an engineer out there would say, no, it's not the same product, but from a user perspective, it's essentially the same. You strip that away and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference, but their brands are so totally different. And that's what makes people prefer one over the other, whether you're a driver, passenger, or both. And the same rule can apply to a business like yours, where you you are your business. I've worked with people who are starting a business and there's two or three people and they're ready to go. And then I've worked, as you said, with companies as big as Google and Procter and Gamble, where um, you're not redefining the brand on a daily basis, but you're managing and maintaining different pieces of it. So 
I love that example of Lyft and Uber because I'm a hardcore, I'm in the camp, hardcore of one of those companies and not of the other. Same. And I guess I probably right? shouldn't say which one, but same. <laughs> I'm so tempted to though, because it comes down to company values yeah. and what they well, stand for. Well, then I think for. it's obvious. Which <laughs> right? About. But let's just let everyone assume. <laughs> so I'm hardcore in the camp of, you know, one that might have a pink, logo. I don't know. Um, but it, you're right. When you strip down, you're just taking, a, you're getting a ride. But why am I so loyal to one over the other? Well, it's because of what you just said. But Karen, like, obviously you're very, you know, far along in your career. You've built significant key skill sets and strength. And you've really honed in on, on a career that's, that plays your strengths and obviously what you love to do. I'm guessing it wasn't always that way. And so tell us a little bit about your journey and, you know, where did you start out? How did you land in this place where you are today as a, yeah. as a brand strategist? Yeah, sure. I won't go all the way back because I was a science major in undergrad. And then I did some computer programming at Accenture with my first job. I was like kind of on the techie side. I did that I- too. <laughs> I, I don't really tell many people that because then they want to talk about it. And I'm like, I actually don't remember anything, <laughs> but, um, but it was somewhere during that time at Accenture when I just realized I had this love for the business itself and the products. So it was at that point that I went back to business school to get my MBA, knowing that I wanted to go into brand management. Um, and I got lucky enough after business school to get a job at Procter & Gamble. It was like the job that you know, I dreamed of getting and I got it. And I worked on the Folgers coffee business and I worked on the Tide business and then same type of job, a different location. I moved out here to California and worked uh, for Nestle on the ice cream business. So um, that was, gosh, I don't remember how much time, but let's say it was about five or six years kind of on the brand management side, but I felt this pull towards the brand building side of things. So as a brand manager, you're building the brand, but you're also managing the PL. You're sort of in a general management role. And I always just wanted to be on that brand building side. And our agencies that we worked with always became my favorite people to work with. And I was like, maybe I should do this. Like, these are the people I want to work with. This is the stuff I love. I'm passionate about. Um, and so I did just that. It sounds like it wasn't hard, but it was actually a, a fairly difficult switch just to get people on that side to believe that you wanted to do this. Um, and let me just yeah. pause you right there. I, I'd love to unpack that a little bit just before you kind of do the reveal of, and this is where I am today, because I think yeah. a lot of those, those hard kind of cells or that, that kind of like transitioning over from one mindset to another, get lost in the details. We can forget about those. So like, what were some of the the obstacles that you faced as you were transitioning into your new world before you you became official? Yeah. So I should set this up by saying I quit my job at Nestle because I wanted the time, I wanted to learn, like I wanted to make sure, first of all, I didn't love my job, but um, I wanted to learn sort of all the things that were, you know, out there. And I wanted to devote myself full time to learning and meeting people and, and learning about it. This was in the middle of the recession So it was not a popular decision by like my family members and some other people I knew, but I felt confident. I was like, I want to do this. I'm meant for this. It's going to work out. I just had that sort of confidence in it. The biggest roadblocks I faced was, so I was really looking at agencies, agencies saying you have the skill set. you know, we really like talking with you. We feel like you could do this, but 
you haven't done it before. And it would, you know, and I get it, you know, because agencies are typically, you know, very fast moving, you have very lean teams, there's not like a big training program in place. And so they're bringing, they'd be taking a chance on someone that looks like and seems like they'd be a good fit, but there's no perfect track record to tell that. And so I would get, you know, to like the final handful of people in the interview. And then that was what I was told was we really liked you but we hired someone who's done this exact thing before. I still wasn't down yet because it had only been like a couple of months. Um, And then a friend that I knew through the triathlon community worked at an innovation agency. And we started talking about, could I be a good fit there? And so I ended up applying for and getting the job at this innovation agency, which I'm, even though I knew in my gut, like I was meant for brand and for marketing, it was such a great experience. I learned so much. Um, the company's called Jump Associates, just really, really smart people, really great clients. Um, and it gave me that client service job, you know, on my resume, so to speak. And then it sort of, my career went from there. So I think it was just having someone, I mean, this sounds really weird, but having someone take a chance on me. And I always like to apply that when I'm looking to work with people. I'm like, this person I can give them a chance. You know, this, I feel like they're the right fit. And even though they haven't done the exact job, they might even be better suited for it, you know, than someone that has. So it sort of took that someone taking a chance on me. So thank you, if you are listening. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to send her this podcast. (laughs) But I love that. And and it also says something to your persistence. You know, you, you didn't, you heard no a couple of times, but you weren't like, oh, okay, they must be right. I guess I better go look for another job just like what I was doing because this isn't working you kept going and you kept pursuing you know pursuing what you wanted to do and you're right someone did take a chance on you and I actually remember when we started working together when we were talking about it you're like well you know I normally do work with larger clients you know you you have a different model rather and I'd love for you to talk about your model but I, I wasn't necessarily your average kind mm-hmm. of person that you, you, you typically work with, but I feel that you took a chance on me and offered Aww. me a, yeah, no, I really do. I feel like you offered me a special, um, a, a special pricing package because I'm not, I don't have a Google budget. You, you offered me like a special, more kind of like personalized approach and like, how do you work with someone one-on-one who's a tiny little business just starting out? And, um, and so I think the value of just taking a chance on somebody who seems like they're really good and who can fulfill, you know, a role really well or be a, taking a chance on somebody that seems like an ideal client, but not a typical client can pay off. I mean, you're sitting here today. I know. <laughs> so well, yeah. thank you. <laughs> well, thank you because yeah, you're right. Like it, you weren't my, if there is a typical, you weren't a corporate client, if we want to call exactly. it Exactly. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I feel like the more you can do and the more you can learn, you're just going to be that much better at what you do. You know, if you keep doing yeah. the same thing over and over for the same type of client, you're going to be good at that but you're eventually just going to be okay at that. It's like really kind of getting out there and doing it as much as you can in many different ways. Yeah. So tell me, how do you work with your kind of your typical clients? What kind of arrangements do you have? What types of projects do you do? And just give us a kind of a behind the scenes look of like, what's it like to work at one of your, your major clients? Yeah. So I would say, and it, this is not exact, it's not an exact number, but I would say my business is about 50, 50, 
50% being freelance. So working with um, an agency who, you know, has probably has the client, they've scoped the project. They're the ones that are responsible for that relationship. And then I step in as the brand strategist on that team. Sometimes it's just a strategy engagement. Um, in the case of a couple things I'm working on now, there's also designers on the team and writers on the team. Um, so totally depends. So 50% that, and then 50% what I would just say are my own clients. So like you and I worked together. So I actually scope the project. I am responsible for project management and invoicing. So it's, it's 50, 50, 50% freelance, 50% on my own. Again, it's not that exact number all the time. It could be 30, 70, 60, 40, but it's around that. Um, just to kind of paint that bigger picture. That's helpful. I think that is an interesting mix. One of the top questions I always get asked is, well, how do you find clients? Mm. And if there was a silver bullet, a secret formula that's like a sure bet that you're going to land dream clients no matter what, I, I, I mean, it, you know, I think there would be somebody that's very rich out there. There are different, there are definitely approaches that work, but I love how you um, have kind of two different models. So you have the agency side that actually you know, curates the clients for mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to go out there and do all the biz dev and all the coffees and the lunches and they're like, Oh, I hope this works out. And then it falls through. They've got everybody lined up. You show up, you do the work and not to make this sound like you're a turnkey consultant. You're absolutely not, but they've done a lot of that legwork and securing that client so that you can come to the table and just work on the project. Is that, is yeah, that right? It's accurate. Yeah. Except I would say the biz dev for freelancing mm -hmm. is with the agencies. So, yep. you know, I want to make sure, so I almost feel like when you're free, when I'm freelancing, I have like two layers of clients. Mm -hmm. The agency is a client of mine, right? Like I want to make sure I do really good work for them. I want to make sure we get along. Um, I am doing a lot of that networking with them, but then that other layer is the end client. Right. So there's yeah. almost like two layers of clients as a freelancer, which you could say could be more difficult. You know, I know a lot of people who don't like to do that, who don't like to freelance as a creative or a strategist because they like to just do things their own way and not necessarily the way the agency would approach it. I've been so lucky to work with agencies that they do have their set ways of working, but they're open minded about new ways and they let me bring strategic frameworks to the table. They let me, um, you know, interact directly with the client. So I think I wouldn't enjoy it if I was just like a, I don't know, I don't want to say a robot. That's not the right word, but I wouldn't enjoy it if I wasn't allowed any of that freedom. freedom. Yeah. Yes. And thus the word free in freelancer. I think that is such a key reason of why people are freelancers is because they want freedom. I, I think that you get, you do are allowed more freedom and flexibility as a freelancer in terms of who you work with, the type of work you do. And as you're looking for these agencies and you're right, um, doing the biz dev part and seeking out agencies as your client, mm -hmm. that kind of first tier, how do you go about finding them? And, and how do you, you know, is there anything that you found that works well? If, you know, if there's a brand strategist out there listening, how would, how could they go about finding an agency that hires people like them? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, being a brand person, it, there's always this level of intuition that I have, you know, I mean, part of 
brand and brand work and strategy is the data and the science behind it, of course. But another part is just having that really good gut intuition for things. And I feel like that applies to who I work with as well. Um, So I kind of just know, like I've had many meetings with agencies and either one of us or both of us has has felt this isn't the right fit. And if it's not going to be the right fit, then you're not really going to enjoy it. And then your work is probably not going to be as great as it could be. And then there's other times, well, I'll just speak to a specific um, last year, actually didn't have the time to do much. And an agency reached out to me and I was kind of like, oh, I almost replied. I don't really have the capacity. Like I kind of did, but I didn't really have a lot of capacity. And then we ended up meeting and it was like, instant chemistry. I was like, Oh my God, I fell in love with these people and we're, we're still working together today. So it's just like, sometimes it's a good fit and sometimes it's not just like anything else in life. Um, you asked me though, Oh, how do I go about finding them? Yeah. I don't have a great answer for this. And I think I don't have a great answer for this because the way I work, the way I do kind of do business development is really organic. I stay in touch with my network. You know, and it's not from a salesy place of, well, I have, you know, I have to reach out to six people a day and let me check them all off. It's not like that at all. I will think to myself, oh, I wonder how so-and-so is doing with that project we worked on last year. I should reach out and see how the work went. And I actually do care. So I'm coming from a place of actual curiosity and care, not like I should reach out to them because maybe they can generate some more business for me. And I think that feels right for me. And I think it comes across to the other person as well, authentically. So I keep in touch with my network. Um, I stay connected. And again, that isn't always checking in to see, you know, does anybody have any projects for me? It's like genuinely just asking how people are doing and how the work is going. I also say yes to so many things that I think a lot of people would say no to. And I don't necessarily mean projects. I mean, Um, I'll take a perfect example. So I had only been working independently for a few months and a good friend of mine said she had a friend who was curious about becoming an independent brand strategist. Would I give her some advice? And I said, oh, I've only been doing this for like three months. I don't know what advice I could give. And she's like, well, she just wants to talk to someone. So I ended up talking to her. She was currently at an agency. She then said, you know what? I think you'd be great for a project with us. So then I start working with that agency. Then that someone leaves from that agency, goes somewhere else. I start working with them. It's like, say yes to people that need your help. A, because it's really nice to help people. But B, you could probably learn something from them too. And so I feel like it's just my natural self to just stay connected and want to talk to people and want to learn. And oftentimes opportunities come out of that. I love that. Let's just take a pause, everyone. Let that soak in. And to make it even better, (laughs) she ended up leaving and going off on her own and she's super happy too. So it like worked out for everyone. Oh, so the conversation you had about becoming a brand strategist also came back because she she went and did it. Yeah, she did it. And then I ended up, you know, making a lot of new connections. So yeah, it was like good for everyone. And, and I, oh, I love what you said about you were hesitant to say yes. And it's not something a lot of people would say yes to. Um, you know, I get, I, per, my perspective is that I get people reaching out 
a lot about, can I pick your brain? Mm-hmm. You know, can I, can I ask you a few questions? And I do evaluate those requests very carefully because I can't physically do that with everyone. Otherwise I can't work on right. my business either right. as a small company, but there have been times where I'm like, you know, something's just really telling me just meet mm-hmm. with this person. I think this could, I, I don't know what, what is telling me, but I, but something has been telling, has told me in the past, um, just do it. And I think the fact that you took a chance and like you, you were generous with your time, like look what happened. It's so true. And it, you're right. You can't say it's to literally everything. You wouldn't get your job done, but there are some people out there that are so yeah. firm with, you know, never give free advice. And I'm like, I don't really believe in that because I think I of either. all the people in that period of time, when I mentioned I left Nestle to before I started working at Jump Associates, I think it was like three months. During that three months, I couldn't even tell you how many people were nice enough to meet me for coffee, have me oh. into their office, have a you know video call or phone call. And they did that because they wanted to be nice and help someone else. And mm-hmm. so I you know returned that favor. Um, but I do it because I want to, not just right. because I feel like I should. So, No, I, I agree. Um... I think that there's always, I think of my career and how many people have been generous with their time and their feedback and their genuine interest in helping me grow. And I I do feel a desire to pay that forward Mm -hmm. with others. And plus, I mean, I'm in the coaching business, so obviously I enjoy that anyway. If I didn't, I think I'd be like, um, probably, I, I would probably be wondering like if I'm in the right, right industry, but I do think, um, sometimes even saying yes to non-traditional things, you never know mm-hmm. where it can yeah. lead to. And so back to your, just how do you find clients? Like, I love that you don't have an easy answer for that because I don't think there is an easy answer. I think for everybody and for different businesses, for different people, there's approaches that work yep. and do not. But I don't think you can ever go wrong by ha- letting things happen organically because you build solid relationships. And it's funny because I've worked for some clients where, it's my last day and I cannot wait to get out of there. <laughs> Some of my corporate clients. And and those have been major lessons because I personally haven't wanted to reach out again to ask how mm. things are doing because I'm like, hey, I don't think that would be a good fit for me to go there again. But yet I've also kept in touch with the folks that I really enjoyed working mm. with at those corporate um, clients just from more of a like social like, hey, and those those have led to other opportunities as well. And so when you think about like maybe clients that, you know, haven't been your ideal client or has, haven't been your ideal situation, is there something, a specific time that sticks out to you and, and how can someone know, like, how can, how can someone see red flags when it comes to maybe finding yeah. a client that might be, you know, the quote unquote nightmare? Yeah. So I feel fortunate. I, <laughs> to this date, haven't had anything. I've been independent now for just over four years. I have not had what I would call a nightmare client. And I feel very lucky about that. Um, I will prefer, well, you know me well. Um, I'm a total optimist. So I am one of those people that I'm going to like find the good thing and everything. <laughs> um, so I really haven't had a lot of terrible experiences, but I think that's because I adapt. You know, I'm like, okay, well, this isn't going exactly how I thought it was going to go. I'm just going to be totally upfront and honest with them and ask, how can we get this back on track or what else can we do? So I feel like everything, I mean, hopefully my clients would say this as well. Things end positively, you know, but yeah. it's certainly not, everything doesn't go perfectly, you know, while we're working yeah. together. 
I think for me, the red flags, again, it comes down to fit. And fit is one of those things that's, it's like that human equivalent to a brand. You can't mm-hmm. really define it, right? You either like click with someone or you don't. And sometimes you know why, but oftentimes you don't. And it's just like, you just didn't get a great feeling. For me though, if I had to say why things may not be perfect, it's probably when someone wants to hire me for their own agenda, right? So like they are trying to push something through an organization or they're trying to get something done and they just need someone else to come in and be that outside voice that usually doesn't feed my soul. I don't find that super fulfilling because it doesn't let me be a strategist, right? It doesn't let me be insightful. It doesn't let me create. Um, Instead, I'm sort of like, is this okay? Does this work? Will this work? So that is probably, I wouldn't call it a nightmare situation, but it's not things that they don't get me really excited. What gets me excited are clients who know, they may not well, they're usually not brand experts, but they know and respect that they need something in the brand space. They just don't know how to approach it and they need help. And that's where it's like, they sort of let you do your thing. They let you come in with your expertise. Um, It's not always easy. You know, in fact, I would say I actually like the harder ones better. (laughs) I always say if I share something or present and the other person on the other end goes, okay, looks good. I want to say, I want to say, were you listening? No, really. I love the push and pull. I love when things aren't great at first because it means someone's thinking and they're trying or working on it together. Um, So yeah, I sort of like rambled on in that question. But um, yeah, I feel like it's when you let the person, the in my case, the brand strategist, do their thing and use their craft, then it's going to be a really rewarding project. If you're just hiring someone to do what, you want to do it it's just not it's not as interesting oh Karen okay we can end the podcast now (laughs) no I I love how you said that because I've worked in both situations I also have worked in that situation probably too much as a as a freelancer in the corporate world and one of my biggest takeaways is um, I've worked in that more staff augmentation role where you're coming in you're a butt in a seat and you're fulfilling a need and Basically, I'm being told what to do by the client. However, that's like the the constricting part of it. There's a lot of freedom in still having that type of role. I got to define how much money I made an Mm -hmm. hour. I got to decide how you know, how much vacation I took. I got to decide if I wanted to take this job or not, um, or that gig is or not. But I will say that that type of gig also does not fuel my soul. And but it fueled my bank account. And so in a big way. And so I was at that time in my life, that was more important to me at that point was to, to really focus on my financial well-being. And so I was willing to be a little more stifled in the creative piece. However, I don't feel that way anymore. I, I look at my coaching business and getting here and getting to sit here with you on a podcast and talking to you about you know, what makes you tick as a business owner? And that is, that fills my soul. I just had a coaching uh, client earlier today. I was helping him with his content strategy and how does he post more regularly to LinkedIn and to his email list? Like, and seeing his eyes light up and a light bulb moment, like that is what fills my soul. And so 
I think it's important as a freelancer to get clear on like, what is it that's motivating you and driving you? And sometimes it can be a couple of things, but there may be times in people's lives where they aren't able to have the ideal role, but it's still a step better than working for someone else as an employee. I think that's so important. I it's, there are times when I've taken work that Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was going to be terrible or I never would have done it, but it wasn't like (laughs) my dream thing, but I needed to work, you know? And as long as I still love what I'm doing and I believe it's, you know, there's a purpose in it and I'm doing something good for someone that needs this work, then it's great. You know, if I had had a choice of maybe 10 things laid out in front of me, maybe I would have picked another one. Um, But yeah, sometimes you just, you need to work, but it's also, there's the financial piece of it. And there's also, they're just keeping your brain going and learning things, you know, and sometimes it's getting out of your comfort zone and doing something that you're like, this doesn't sound exactly like what I would want to do, but I'm going to learn a lot from it. And that's important too. And meet people. Every contracting or consulting or freelance gig that I have, I meet a whole new handful of people that are now part of my network. Totally. And so even if it might not be the most ideal gig, there's so many, like you said, you're an optimist. There's so many positives to even something that might not be perfect, but like, mm-hmm. who are you meeting? Like, what are you learning? Um, what are you, you know, do you get to work in a different industry than maybe you had before? And so there's, I think there, I, I just keep going back to that word free. You do have a lot more freedom to choose. And so as a freelancer, I just think that there's, there's always going to be compromises, but as long as you're not compromising, I, I guess what I hold myself true to is as long as I'm not compromising my values and there have been clients yes. yeah. that I had to compromise my values, which I immediately ended my contract with, um, uh, more learning experiences, <laughs> but you know, as long as I'm not compromising my values or my integrity, then there's something to be gained. You know, there is. Yeah. 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 Yes. I definitely, yeah. Just like with brand engagements, I help companies to find brand values. And I say, yeah. these are your moral code and, you know, don't waver from these. The same thing applies to you as a person in your own business. Like don't waver from that. And if you find out along the way that something is off, you know, if something's really, really off, I guess you could end a contract. If something just feels slightly off, what can you do to get it back on track? Totally, totally. All different extremes. It's an interesting world out there. I, here's one question. And, and for um, listeners, I usually send my guests a list of like, you know, I, questions that we could, could come mm-hmm. up with uh, mm-hmm. or that we could talk about on the podcast. But this is something I actually didn't send you, Karen. But as we're talking, I'm like, oh, I really want to know this. I think if I were sitting here as a potential business owner and I were, and, and no pressure to answer this, but I would love to know, like, if I were just starting out as a business owner in like a perceived saturated industry, mm-hmm. as a brand strategist yourself, like, what are, do you have like one or two? tools or things I need to think about to get started on the right foot and to differentiate myself out of the gate? Like, is there, would you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because people ask this all the time and it's not like I have a framework that I give them, but I think the same rule applies as I would apply to a a brand, like a business brand. Mm -hmm. Um, I always say, don't do this on a computer, do it old school, like get out a notebook or something, you know, just so you're not tempted to make something look really nice and turn it into a pitch deck, but just get out a piece of paper, <laughs> get out a notebook or your phone or whatever, and re- and just identify what is, so answer this question. 
what is it that I'm selling? What are people buying from me? Because often people I'm working with are people like me. They're you know, intellectual property, you know, consultants, you know, things like that, where you're like, well, I'm not, no one's buying anything. You know, I'm not selling anything. I'm a consultant. And I'm like, no, you're selling something. You're selling a service. You need to be so clear and define it just like you would if you were selling shoes or handbags or whatever it is that you're going to sell. It's like, lay it out almost like, like you would if you were selling physical, tangible products. So what is it I'm selling? And then it's like the same question, but just the reverse. What is someone buying from me? And why am I the person that they want to buy it from? Like, what is it? And that could be, you know, like in the case of myself. So I actually had to do this exercise on myself when I hired a designer friend of mine to Good, you're taking your own advice. Yeah. I know, but it's really hard. Like, as a brand <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, he goes, well, what's your strategy? I was like, I don't have one. <laughs> so, but it was, I had to answer these questions and we, you know, I came up with um, personality traits for my business and brand values for me. So it's, it's like those basic questions just to start, like, what is it that you offer? And it needs to be clean. It needs to be so organized that someone can say, I will buy that from you for this price. Now, in the case of selling shoes, you would say, I'd buy one pair for you know, $50 or whatever. In the case of services, it's not always that easy, but you can say, I would buy that from someone for a flat fee, or I would buy that from someone maybe on an hourly basis. Like you can, you just need to get so clear because what happens when you try to go off, as you know, in your own consulting business is you sort of just list all your services. And then people are like, well, what are those? I don't actually know what you do. And Holly, I have to say this. I always remember this when you and I were working together and I put together a scope of work or proposal or something. And you were like, this is the most organized, or I don't know what you said, but it was like, you're like, this is the most clear scope of work. I know what I'm getting. I know what I'm buying. And that was such a compliment because I try so hard to do that. Like, I want to say, this is what I'm selling. This is what you're buying. And I think even in our scope of work, I had broken it out by, we will meet X number of times and it will be in person or be over video and we'll have this amount of revisions. And it's not like you always have to stick to that. Obviously things are going to change as they go, but you knew what you were paying for. And I, I feel like that's what I always ask people to do before you build a website before you, you know, try to decide a rate, before you even tell people what you're doing, it's like, just what's your own little elevator pitch? What are you selling? What is someone buying from you? And what makes you unique? I love that. I you keep saying that. I love that. Just skip over that. Oh, you know? yes, I so would. Like, go right to a Squarespace <laughs> site. And I'm like, but wait, what do you do? <laughs> so. Well, and, and in, the, in my course, The Consultant Code, we spend an entire module on building your what. I oh, believe amazing. this is... Yeah incredibly important and if someone does not know what it is they're selling and and what it is someone is buying from them I I mean I don't think you have a business a a, a clear business it's not clear you're right and the what are you selling what is someone buying seem like the same thing but if you ask someone what are you selling they might say you know brand strategy consulting okay Mm -hmm. well what is someone buying they're not buying brand strategy consulting they're buying whatever it is, you know, I need messaging for my website. 
that might be what they're buying. Mm -hmm. They're buying, you know, someone to sit with them on an hourly basis and help them, you know, it's like define kind of your things very, very clearly. Well, I can't tell you how many networking events, I use this example a lot, but how many networking events I've been to where some person will tell me what they do and I walk away being like, I have no freaking clue what they just said. Mm -hmm. It was a bunch of gobbledygook and I have no idea what they do. And like they, and the thing is, they probably don't either. Like if it's not <laughs> that's true. No, I'm serious. Like it's yeah. not, if it's not clear to you, yeah, then it's probably not clearly defined to them. To them. You know? So it's just yeah. yeah. So if I could be in the hot seat for a minute, let me let me try to tell you. And I'm just doing this off the top of my head. Ooh, okay, fun, yeah. So what is it that I'm selling? Okay, I I'm a business coach and I sell a program called the consultant code where I help people start freelancing businesses in 60 days or less. Okay. But what people are actually buying from me, I believe people are buying time because they are shortening their learning curve. They're getting from A to Z, A to B faster than they would if they had to do this on their own. They're buying a a strategy and a plan on how to meet their goal and how to actually be a freelancer. And let's see, I don't know. No, that's great. No, I love that. And like, (laughs) obviously you don't have to do this now, but you would also, someone might say, well, what do I get? Like a strategy and a plan. It could be, am I getting an email with a, you know, a bunch of bullet points? Am I getting a keynote deck? Am I getting a Mm -hmm. website? You know, it's like, you have to also define what is the thing? Like so many, so many people are, are, very concrete thinkers and they want to know what they're getting. Like what's the thing that they're getting. And so I always put that in proposals and scopes as well, even down to the format, you know, I'll say the final thing will be a, you know, I don't know, a 20 to 50 page, you know, Google slides deck, you know, which you did for me. Yeah. Yeah, This kind of framework and this and this and this, because at the end of it, if someone was expecting, I don't, I don't, no one would expect this anymore, but let's say someone's expecting a a hardbound book that they can like put up on their shelf with their brand strategy. You know, that's not what I'm delivering. So you can't, don't make assumptions on what, you know, that people get what you get. You get it fully because it's your business, but they're coming at it without any, you know, no context. Yeah. No context. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing is you, you could be talking to your ideal client and not know it if you meet them for two seconds at a networking event and you don't get a chance to dive into exactly what they do or what they need like that is your one chance to potentially you know give that person just enough information so they're like oh my gosh I can I have your card let's connect after and three months later you hear from them and they want to work with you like you never know who you're talking to so I agree like the more clearly concisely um and descriptive the way that you could be about the way you describe what you do, especially when it comes to services. Yeah. I I don't know. I I can't see how you can go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Services are hard. They're harder to define when you're on the receiving end of it. You know, you're like, what am I actually getting? So Yeah. yeah. And I think that's somewhere that I see a lot of people going wrong. I, I just, I think that's a way that you differentiated yourself to me was how you were so clearly and concisely. And I've worked in like a corporate structure forever. Obviously you have spent many years in corporate environments as well, where we're taught that, but I think creatives um, may, may have not worked in corporate structures for their, um, most of their career or who hadn't have, don't have experience in, in defining their business, this may not come as naturally. And so I think 
one way that a creative or somebody that wants to be a freelancer can stand out immediately from a sea of others is how they describe their business and how they can describe their business in a way that's the answer to their ideal client's prayers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And you may need to, you know, get support. Like I actually really love managing my own projects, but there are a lot of people out there that don't either. They don't Mm -hmm. feel like they're good at it or they don't want to do it. And it takes away from the creative process. If that's the case, then you might need to partner with someone. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you need a full-time employee. You just need someone to help you with some of those things. Well, this has been great, Karen. I have one last question. Mm -hmm. Um, So imagine there's someone out there listening that is like, gosh, I've always wanted to be a freelancer or I have this hobby or even a side hustle and maybe not quite a side hustle because that's usually a pretty good business, but usually a pretty good business. It's usually like more of an established business, Mm -hmm. but side hustlers too. If, If you're thinking, I guess, about going out and being a freelancer and I thought about this for many years, but I didn't know how to get started. What, what is a tip or a step that you might tell somebody that could immediately after this podcast, they could go do and get them one close step closer to being a freelance, a freelance service. Such a great question. And I think it's sort of the same rule. A lot of people say, you know, no matter what goal you have, whether it's to run a marathon, um, you know, what, get a dog, whatever it is that you're trying to manifest, it's like put it out there into the universe, you know, start telling people and talking about it. And that's exactly what I did. I was working in a full-time job and I started letting people know discreetly, of course, but you know, I think I want to go do this. I think I'm ready. I feel like I'm confident enough to go out on my own. And, and I just started putting it out there and I wasn't asking anyone for anything. I was just talking about it because I genuinely was excited and felt good about it. Long story short, when the moment came, I had a job ready to go. It was with um, someone I'd worked with before and it was my first client. And that gave me the courage to say, this is what I'm going to do full time. And then it just sort of went from there. Then I could tell people, oh, now this is what I'm doing. You know? So it's like, I think what happens is too many people hold it to themselves or they just, you know, after work is done, they start Google searching, you know, stuff and journaling about it, which is fine. But I think you have to put it out there. And the more you put it out there, the more you're going to get help, the more people are going to know yeah. that you're doing it. And also you've put it out there, you know, sort of like saying, I'm going to run a marathon. Then everyone starts asking you, how's your training going? <laughs> it's not a good answer to say, oh, wait, what? Oh, I forgot. I told you that. Right. So you put it out oh, there. Oh, I'm a total flake. And I, I, oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the way, I mean, we're lucky in this country, um, the way, you know, small businesses work that you can just start doing it. And so it doesn't have to be perfect and ready to go. Now I think certain fields, probably you need to be really buttoned up. I would imagine if you are going to be, you know, in healthcare or the financial space, there's probably certain certifications and things you have to have. But in most creative fields, you don't need a whole lot of stuff. You can start doing it. And I started doing it and then started filling in the gaps. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, I mean, embarrassingly, I got a project and then the client said, great, go ahead and send me your first invoice. And I literally had to Google an invoice template because I was like, I think we've all done that. I didn't have this ready, you know, so you don't have to have everything ready to go. I feel like the longer you take with that, it's just delaying it. It's like, just put it out there. And if the, if the first project or whatever it is that you do comes your way, start doing it. You can always do the other things later. You can file to be a certain type of business later. You can open a separate business account 
later. Later. You can't, all these things that you can do them as you're going. Um, Yes. Yeah. I think people get really hung up on like, should I be an LLC or an S corp or C corp? Like, I don't know. And I need to file and get my business license. I'm like, no, you don't like, yeah, you you have to tick tick those boxes. You do. But like, that can be in parallel of you also doing work and like getting your first client and gig. Like, I think that can sometimes I've, I've observed that also being like a, um, a blocker to people really making progress is getting kind of hung up on those more tactical things that can be done in parallel. But like, you're right. If you're putting it out there, somebody approaches you and like, they know you're an excellent copywriter or SEO expert. And they're like, Oh my God, I could use this help. You want to have your what? ready, yeah. which is what we talked about earlier. Yeah. What is it that you do? So when you are, are putting it out there and somebody's like, oh, I know somebody who's looking for an SEO person. Can I connect you? Well, hey, you might have just found your That's first exactly client. exactly it. Exactly. So you want to be ready. Build your website behind the scenes. Yes. I didn't yeah. have a website for a long time, <laughs> you know, while I was working independently. And I don't think I didn't get work because of that. You know, now right. I do and things are you know more buttoned up. But yeah, it's the things that aren't, you need to have business insurance and those sort of things, but the, the other things, website, et cetera, they'll, you can build them later. They'll come. Right. Yeah. I agree. Well, speaking of that, Karen, what is your website? Where can people find you online? Yeah. So it is my first dash last name. So C-A-R-E-N dash Williams, um, not an underscore, but dash, uh, dot com. Um, that is my website and everything else that I have, like all my social fees are just personal. Um, I don't use them for business. So I'd say my website or my LinkedIn page are the, the best places to go. Awesome. And Hey, uh, I guess I do have one more question. Yeah. How is that marathon training going for you? You guys, Karen's a big runner and she's a big dog person. And I love talking about running and dogs with Karen too. So, Oh, thanks. Well, there's no full marathon on the horizon. It's the I virtual have half. half, right? Yes. I committed to running a half <laughs> by myself. Um, but I actually am working with this amazing coach, uh, Sarah Evans. She coached me for a marathon before, but it's all virtual. She puts together my run plans based on how I'm feeling, what I'm training for. So this, when did I start? Uh, Middle of last week was my first official one. And then the race is scheduled for, it's not actually scheduled, but um, I'm probably gonna do it like end of September. So, and and this is a big thing for me because I've done a lot of half marathons, but I've never trained for one. Mm -hmm. I've just like, (laughs) no, but you know what I mean? Like I've consistently, I mean, I've consistently run, but I've never done an official training plan for a marathon. So we'll see. Do you have like, and and you don't have to tell us what it is, but are you, are you going for like time or are you going, like, what would you call success upon finishing your marathon? It's a good question. We haven't laid that out yet because I would ordinarily be going for time and wanting Mm -hmm. to be my fastest half. The challenge with that is two things. My fastest half came shortly after a marathon. So I was in really good shape at that point. (laughs) Now I'm in, now I'm in quarantine shape. Um, (laughs) and also I don't know because it'll just be me. Like I'm not going to have, it's not an official race with crowd and a timing chip. And I think a lot of that plays into it mentally, which pushes you. So that's another reason why I want to do this. I want to see what I'm capable of on my own without sort of that outside influence. So I don't know what my goal is, but I love that. I think right there, I, making that your goal, I want to see what I'm capable yeah. on my own without outside influence. I mean, 
right there. I think we can all make that our goal for the rest of the day or (laughs) our lives. Like amazing. And Phyllis, her yellow lab just turned six. Four. Four. Okay. I'm not going to rush her life along. Oh, she's the cutest. So I was going to say all my social (laughs) feeds have nothing to do with my business. It's just pictures of my dog. So she's so cute. Well, thank you, Karen, for being on today. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you think the audience should know or that you want to share before we before we sign off? I, I mean, just the probably thing that everyone's heard, but it really, really, really is true. And it's like, just put like, t- put your neck out there, you know, take the first step. The worst thing to happen is it doesn't, it doesn't work out, you know, and it's not, and you don't even have to quit your job. You know, you, it can start as not everyone can quit their job. You know, you can start as a side hustle. It can start yeah. as I'm going to do something an hour a week. I'm going to just start talking to people. It's like, just, if you've got that in your, in your soul, like just do something to put it out there and make it real. And I think you'll be surprised at, at what can happen. So. I agree. I, I, right now is a great time now that we're in a pandemic and quarantine. It's a great time to start a side hustle because you know, you, it's another income stream. It's another kind of like test to see like, would I like to be a business owner? Would I like to like call the shots and kind of do my own thing? Is this really what I want to do? And so I agree, put it out there, give it a shot, take a first step. Um, especially now, like if, if starting a business or freelancing business is something that someone is thinking about that you're thinking about. Um, I agree. Like, I just think that now is a good time. It can't hurt. The worst thing that someone can say is no. And, you know, I have another podcast episode on how to deal with rejection. It's not that bad. And you get better at dealing with it, the more you get it. So (laughs) it's so true. I saw something the other night, just really quickly. It said the five by five rule, don't spend more than five minutes worrying about it. If it's not going to mean anything in five years or something, I'm probably getting it wrong, but it was basically like we ruminate on these things and we fear things so much. And it's like, if, if it's not going to ruin your life, <laughs> if it doesn't have the potential to ruin your life, it just, you might fail at it. Who cares? Like just, you know, you'll, you'll, you're certainly not going to succeed if you don't try. So. And you're going to um, learn the, the more you screw up, the more you learn. Yeah. And um, yeah. as business owners, your, your mess ups and mistakes are just different than they might've been as an employee or as a child. And so I think it's so important for us to cut ourselves slack. We're, I feel like I'm constantly learning and drinking from the fire hose every single day of this mm. business owner journey. And so, I mean, I, if I'm not screwing up or making mistakes, I guess I'm not trying hard enough or totally. taking enough risks. So good. Yeah. 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 If people don't, if people don't disagree. If people don't push you mm-hmm. on something, you're not getting any better. So yeah. 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 Oh, All right, everyone. Karen Williams. <laughs> and thank you, Karen, for being here. You guys go find Karen online, karen-williams.com, not underscore. And if you need brand strategy help or, you know, maybe even, you know, some quick like thoughts on, on brand strategy. If you want to be a brand strategy consultant yourself, um, I think Karen's an amazing resource. I've worked with her personally and um, I, I would highly recommend um, getting to know her outside this podcast as well. So thank you, Karen, for being here. Thank you, Holly. All right. What a treat it was to have Karen on the podcast today. If you are considering starting your own consulting or freelancing business, I hope you were able to take away a few tools that can help you get started right away. 
Think about how you want to differentiate your business. How do you describe your what? What is the service that you're buying or that you're selling rather? And what is it that your ideal client or customer is buying? Thank you, Karen, for that tip. And also, Karen also mentioned, which I love, was just start putting it out there that you want to start a consulting or freelancing business, that you're going to get started, that you're looking for potentially clients who need help with that service or expertise that you excel at more than anyone else. And good things will fall into place for you. I know it. So if I can be of any help to you as you think about starting your freelancing or consulting business, please reach out. You can find me online at hollynoll.com. Shoot me an email, holly at hollynoll.com. Find me on Instagram at hollynoll. Or we can connect on Facebook, consult.hollynoll. So thank you again for being here today, friend. You could have chose to be anywhere else, like I always say, any other podcast, and you chose to be here with me. So for that, I thank you so much. And until next time, thank you for listening to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Everyday Entrepreneur. There are thousands of podcasts out there and you chose to be here with me. And for that, I'm truly grateful to you. Make sure to stop on my website and you can subscribe there to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, I'd love your rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would mean the world. Finally, check out my free guides to starting a business at hollynoll.com slash free and be sure to tune in two weeks from today for my next episode. Until next time, keep taking action to build your business.